Well, hey, Grace Chapel, great to be with you all today, wherever you might be happening to join us from on this first Sunday in April. Quick shout out to our Watertown campus before we get started here. They held an Easter egg hunt for the neighborhood yesterday, and the whole neighborhood showed up. <laughs> 900 people came out for that Easter egg hunt. So that's the crowd before Pastor Stephen said, go, and here they are two seconds later. All right, it was a wild day down there. All 900 of those folks went home with an invitation to Easter, and it took 80 volunteers to make it happen, so way to go, Watertown. Nice job. Well, it's been our custom in this series to stand together for the reading of Scripture. So would you stand with me wherever you are as I read our passage for today? It comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. And you can listen as I read. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare the way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, I still remember the first hymn I ever memorized. It was back in middle school. Our church's choir director bribed a bunch of us boys to join the junior choir by promising to take us fishing, which he did. So that, and the fact that there were middle school girls in the choir, kept us coming out on Friday nights for rehearsal. The first song we learned was an old hymn entitled, Spirit of God, Descend Upon My Heart. Now, I'm not sure that's the first song I would have chosen if I were trying to get seventh grade boys excited about singing in church, but that's what he chose. It was from the 1800s, a slow, plaintive tune invoking the work of the Spirit in our lives. I don't think we understood half of what we were singing, but there was one line that was especially confusing. Teach me the struggles of the soul to bear Teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. Now, wait a second. I thought there was no such thing as unanswered prayer. I thought God heard and answered every prayer in one way or another. Isn't that what we learned in Sunday school? In the years to come, I would discover that it wasn't just 12-year-olds who stumbled over that line. A whole lot of adults struggled with the notion of unanswered prayer. So much so that some worshipers, some worship leaders, actually omit this verse whenever they sing this particular hymn. But here's the thing. 
I think everyone listening to this message here today has at least one unanswered prayer on your list. There's something you've been praying for for a long time. For someone to be healed. For a job to come through. For a baby to be born. For a relationship to be restored. For someone you love to come to faith or come back to faith. And when you pray for something every day for a year or five or 10 or 20 and nothing happens, it sure begins to feel like an unanswered prayer. And the longer it goes on with nothing happening, you begin to wonder and even doubt if God really does answer prayer. So as we continue in our series on unfiltered prayers, today we'd like to talk about how to pray when we are not sure we believe. Because I think we all have doubts about prayer sometimes. Does it really work? Does it work all the time or just some of the time? And if some of the time, why sometimes and not other times? Did we do something wrong? Do we not have enough faith? Is God not happy with us? So that's the question we'd like to explore today. When in doubt, how do you pray? So we're going to walk through this Jesus story that we just read, and, and we'll dip into a couple of others and see if we come up with some wisdom for prayer in these kinds of seasons. And at the end of the service, or at the end of the message, we're actually going to allow ourselves some time to bring some of these prayers before the Lord in prayer and to have people pray with us. That's what these lights are around the worship space, wherever you happen to be. Now, don't worry, we're not going to ask you to pray with your neighbor again like we did last week, even though I think that worked pretty well. But. So let's take a closer look at this story we find in Matthew chapter 11. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now, John the baptizer was a relative of Jesus who had come to prepare the way for Jesus, for the Messiah, by preaching repentance and by calling the nation back to God. Now, along the way, he'd gotten himself in trouble by confronting the local king, Herod, over his decision to take his own brother's wife. And so John the baptizer finds himself now languishing in prison, unjustly charged, and facing a very uncertain outcome. Now remember, John had preached that the Messiah would come with the Spirit and with fire. Now in John's mind, that meant power and judgment. It meant overthrowing the Romans and rescuing the nation. But now all John sees is Jesus roaming the countryside drawing a crowd, pleasing them by performing a variety of miracles, but doing nothing to confront the powers that be, and by the way, doing nothing to rescue his own cousin from prison. Jesus isn't acting the way John expected him to. And so he sends messengers from prison to find Jesus and ask him this very frank and disturbing question. Are you the one, or should we look for someone else? One commentator calls it the most remarkable question asked of Jesus in the Gospels. 
Think about who John is for a moment. John first recognized Jesus in the womb, right? You remember the story? The newly conceived Mary comes to visit her, bro, her sister, her cousin, a relative Elizabeth, who's also expecting a child. And at the sound of Mary's voice, the child within Elizabeth leaps for joy. That child is John the Baptist. He's in utero, and he recognizes the Messiah. John is the first one to publicly proclaim Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John baptized Jesus. He heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. If there was anyone on planet earth who should have believed in Jesus, it was John the baptizer. But suddenly, he's not so sure. Jesus isn't acting the way he expected him to and he's beginning to doubt. So you see, we're all vulnerable to doubt. Even those of us who have grown up with Christian faith, even those of us who've been walking with Christ for a long time, in fact, it occurs to me that we may be even more vulnerable because we don't have some dramatic conversion story to point to, or if we do, it was a long time ago. Doubt is a passage on every person's journey of faith. Now, I don't think I recognize Jesus in the womb, but I grew up following Jesus from just about my earliest days. But I've shared with you before some of my struggles with doubt along the way. As far back as high school, questioning my faith. Is it my parents' faith? Or is Jesus real to me? Then again, in college, struggling intellectually with, with the existence of God and the problem of suffering and evil. And then again, at midlife, when, when, when the bottom dropped out of my faith and I wasn't sure what I believed or, or even who I was. Doubt is a passage on every believer's journey and that doubt is often triggered by unanswered prayer when God doesn't come through the way we expected him to and when that happens we begin to wonder if God really does answer prayer reminds me of a, another story in the gospels one day, Jesus got a report that a good friend of his, Lazarus, was very sick. Instead of rushing to his side, Jesus decides to hang out for a couple of more days where he is. Meanwhile, Lazarus dies. So when Jesus finally is approaching the house, Lazarus' sister, Martha, comes running out to meet him, actually to confront Jesus on the road. Lord, Martha said, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, it's your fault, Jesus. You could have done something and you didn't. Have you ever felt that way? About some need or situation you've brought to the Lord? You could have done something, Lord, and you didn't. So what do we do in moments of doubt? How do we pray when we're not sure we believe? Well, following John's example, we pray Honestly, when in doubt, pray 
honestly. John doesn't disguise his doubt. He lays it out there. Are you the one or should we give up and look for someone else? That's how he was feeling in the moment. It's raw. It's unfiltered. It's honest. But Jesus hears it. Now we'll look in a little more detail at Jesus' response in a moment. What I want us to notice here is that Jesus doesn't rebuke him. Jesus isn't offended or angry or shocked by John's question. He just receives it and actually responds to it. Jesus can handle your doubts. He can handle your questions. He can handle your frustrations with the way he's running the universe. What he can't handle is your silence, your distance. So bring your doubts to him. Name them, say them, pray them out loud, unfiltered. Pray honestly. Let's keep going in the story. Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So again, Jesus doesn't rebuke John for asking questions. He doesn't ask him to stifle the doubt. He doesn't just ask him to just believe anyway, because I said so, that's why. What he says is, Take another look, John. Open your eyes and pay attention to what's going on around you. The blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, the lame are walking, the poor are being blessed. Take another look. He's not just describing what's happening. He's choosing his words very carefully. Jesus is paraphrasing Isaiah the prophet. He's saying to John, go back to the scriptures, John. Read them again. See what they actually say about the Messiah, about me. Take a closer look. Dig deeper. Go back to the scripture. And notice what else he says. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, don't give up, John. Don't quit too soon. I know this is hard. I know it feels unfair. But there's more going on than meets the eye. There's something to be learned here, John. Don't stumble. Get curious. And that's the second word I'm going to use as I think about how we pray in times of doubt. Pray curiously. We don't have to run from our doubts and our questions as if we're afraid that, that there might not be a good answer to those questions. Follow your doubts. Pray your questions. Maybe God's not responding the way you expected him to in a situation. Take a look and see if something else is going on. Maybe in this season of unanswered prayer, God is bringing you closer to him or bringing someone else closer to him in greater dependence. Maybe in this season of unanswered prayer, he's bringing your family together or bringing your small group together in care and prayer. Maybe he's using this sickness or this difficulty as a witness to someone who's watching from the outside. Maybe he's preparing to do something you can't even fully understand yet. Or maybe he's acting in a way that you can't quite reconcile in the scripture. Maybe you should go back to the scripture again. Maybe you think you have your theology all worked out. But maybe there's an aspect of God's characters and ways that you don't fully understand yet. 
Go back, there's something to be learned. I'm thinking again about Martha's unfiltered prayer. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But notice, her prayer didn't end there. She goes on to say, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. In other words, I don't understand what you're doing, Lord, but I'm willing to listen and look a little bit longer. And they go on to have a deep conversation about life and death and resurrection. I'm sure she still didn't fully understand everything, and she wouldn't for many months to come. But it was the beginning of her coming to a fuller understanding of Jesus, who he was and what he could do. So doubt is an invitation to take a closer look to listen a little more carefully, to linger a little longer with the problem, to learn something new about God, the scripture, yourself, his ways, and his work in the world. Doubt is a door. You can refuse to open it for fear of what you might find on the other side, or you can walk through that door and discover there's a whole room of faith waiting yet to be explored and understood. Doubt is a door. It's a passage on every person's journey of faith. My, my intellectual doubts as a college student were very uncomfortable. I was preparing to go into the ministry. But by going back to the scripture and wrestling with it, by hashing things out with friends and professors, I came to to a much more mature and much more satisfying understanding of the sovereignty of God and, and the problem of suffering and evil in the world. It was a growth moment for me. Some of you are parents. You know that from time to time as your children grow, they, they hit a little rough spot. They're cranky. They, they're more cranky. They, they, they sleep too little. They sleep too much. They eat too little. They eat too much. And you wonder, what in the world's going on? And sometimes the doctor will say, it's a growth spurt. Their bodies, their minds, their emotions are changing and it's a little bit awkward and chaotic, but they're, they're growing. And doubt can be a, a growth spurt. Unanswered prayer can be a growth opportunity. It's uncomfortable and chaotic and you're not sure how to orient yourself, but you're growing and you're learning. So when you have doubts, don't stop praying. Just pray more curiously. Ask more questions. Dig a little deeper. Talk to some friends. Find a mentor who can guide you. I had a chance this past week to uh, speak to some of our middle and high school students on one of our campuses. Now, I won't tell you which campus it was because they insisted it was the very best campus of them all. But these kids, the youth leader had invited me to come and, and to answer some of the questions that they had accumulated. So the first half an hour or so, we began with this crazy, wild game, uh, kind of a human foosball game, with a big beach ball and bodies flying all over the place. It was out of control. And so I'm thinking, how in the world will they ever settle down to listen to the senior pastor talk? But we found our way into the room and began working our way through their questions. What's the difference between Christianity and other religions? What happens to people who haven't heard of Jesus? Do animals go to heaven? Will there be another Bible? Why does God let bad things happen? You know what? We had the best time. I mean, they listened. 
they didn't just listen, they interacted. We had some good conversation going back and forth. They were so curious. It went on for 40 minutes or so. It was one of my best moments of the whole week that evening with those kids. And you know what? I think Jesus loved what was going on there too. Our kids need to know that church is a safe place to ask questions and to bring your doubts. And you know what? Adults need to know that as well. And speaking of which, we have Alpha just starting up right now on a few of our campuses. And Alpha is all about doubts and questions and honesty and curiosity. There's no human foosball, but you do get a free dinner, okay? <laughs> if you or a friend are, are kind of wanting to explore the Christian faith a little more deeply, or if you've been a believer for a period of time, but you find yourself asking questions and wondering if it's all really true, Alpha's a great place. So it's not too late. You can check it out on any one of the campuses. Uh, they're just getting started right now. So when in doubt, pray honestly, pray expectantly. And the third thought that comes to my mind that we learn from this passage is to pray expectantly. Expectantly. Look at the rest of the passage. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Jesus reminding the crowd that something important is happening and is about to happen. Things are not out of control as they seem. John is fulfilling a good and eternal purpose preparing the way for God to do something new and wonderful. It may not look like it, Jesus says, but the kingdom of God is advancing forcefully right now. Jesus says a similar thing to Martha when she comes with her unfiltered doubt. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Do you believe this? Now remember, as Jesus spoke these words, Lazarus is already dead. He's been dead for three days. They'd already lost him. They'd been grieving him for days. They have no idea what in the world Jesus is talking about. But he's encouraging them, don't give up. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop asking. God can do something good. Now, that something good doesn't always mean we get what we want in this life. It doesn't mean our prayers are always answered in the way and the time we expect them to. Lazarus was rescued from death. John was not. At least not in this life. John lost his life there in prison but he fulfilled his purpose. He prepared the way for Messiah and he passed from this life into the next to live forever in the fullness of God's kingdom. Now, why was Lazarus rescued and John wasn't? Did John not have enough faith? I don't think so. Jesus has just said there's no one greater than John the baptizer. John had faith. 
We need to get rid of this notion that if we have enough faith, God will answer our prayers. Or if we have enough faith, we'll be healed. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests that. How much faith do you need to move a mountain, Jesus says? A mustard seed. It's the tiniest amount of faith. So when you bring something to God, he's not asking how much faith you have. He's just thanking you for bringing whatever faith you've got. Just bring it to him. There's a mystery about prayer and faith and how it all works. We can't always explain it. But the Bible and experience tell us, tells us that prayer matters, that God hears and moves in response to and with our prayers. Sometimes those prayers change circumstances. Sometimes they change our expectations. Always they change people's hearts. So we pray expectantly. Not because we know we'll get what we want, but because we know that God is always at work. Healing, restoring, convicting, comforting, renewing, transforming, making things new. Sometimes that answer won't come for many, many years. We may not see that particular answer in our lifetime, but we can be confident that God is working to accomplish something good internal in the lives of those we pray for and in our lives as well. Sometimes healing doesn't come in this life. But in the life to come, as those we love and pray for in Christ are raised to life, as surely as Lazarus was, as surely as Jesus was, do you believe this? It's the question Jesus asked of Martha. It's the question he asks of each of us. Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am still able to do something good with what seems to be a disaster or an unanswered prayer? Keep praying, keep asking. Last week I mentioned my prayer list, accumulated list of names and needs of people that I pray for on some kind of regular basis. There's a lot of names on that list. Some of those names have been there for a long time. A couple of those names were actually from that junior choir I was in from way back. People I've been praying for my whole life. And some of those prayers have been answered and some of those prayers haven't. Some people have been healed. Some people have not. Some have come to faith or come back to faith. Some have not. I don't know if all those prayers are going to be answered in my lifetime. I don't know if they'll turn out the way I want. All I know is if I bring them to God, I can trust Him to be at work in their lives and mine to do something good. When in doubt, pray honestly curiously, expectantly. And all this brings to mind one more story from the Gospels. One day, a father brought his troubled son to Jesus, a young man apparently who had been struggling with, with demon possession for his entire life since he was a child, and it often threatened to take his life. It occurred to me as I read this story how many fathers, how many mothers, how many grandparents have brought children and young adults before the Lord with, with deep distress, having prayed for them for many, many years. So we've got to believe that this man has prayed for his son before, brought prayers to the synagogue, brought prayers to the temple. Those prayers have not been answered. And so he hears that Jesus, the miracle worker, is passing through Galilee. And so he brings his son out to find Jesus. He can't find Jesus, but he finds the disciples. And he brings his son to the disciples for them to heal him. But they weren't able to. 
I'm sure they tried. I'm sure they cried out to God on behalf of this boy, but those prayers weren't answered either. Finally, Jesus shows up. And this is what we read. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Isn't that how we all feel about prayer? Torn between faith and doubt? Doubt is simply the gap between present faith and perfect faith. It's the gap between what we know now to be true and what we will someday know to be true. And God meets us in that gap. That's where he met John the baptizer. It's where he met Martha. And it's where he meets this distraught father in the gap between faith and doubt. And every time he meets us, every time we press through that doubt, every time we walk through a door, the gap between what we know and what we don't know becomes a little smaller. We become a little more closer to knowing and trusting God completely. Think about it this way. Think about a, think about a young physician just graduated from med school. He or she has all kinds of training and knowledge, far more than any of us would have. But there are things that young physician doesn't know yet. And so as he or she begins to make their way into practice, they're going to come up to some, to some things they can handle and some things they can't handle. Some things are going to challenge their knowledge and their expertise. Some things they encounter are going to drive them back to their textbooks, back to the laboratory, back to their mentors. But when they do, when they press through and they learn something, they, they become a little closer to filling the gap between what they know now and what they'll know someday. They become a little bit closer to becoming the physician they trained to be. But what if they gave up the first moment they encountered something they couldn't handle? Same thing is true of us on our journey of faith. Every time we press through, every time we walk through a door, we close the gap just a little bit between the people we are now and the people we were meant to be in Christ. Between knowing Christ in part and knowing him fully as we will someday. Doubt is a passage on every believer's journey of faith. And so I am so grateful for that junior high choir director. Not just for the fishing trips but for introducing us to this hymn and to this line in particular. Teach me the patience of unanswered prayer. It's a brilliant line, actually. It's honest because we all have unanswered prayers. It's curious. Teach me. There's something to be learned here, Lord. And it's expectant because patience implies something worth waiting for. An answer is on the way. It just hasn't come yet. Doubt is a passage on every believer's journey of faith. And every time we walk through,
we are one step closer to becoming the Christ follower we want to be and we're meant to be. And so we have an opportunity. We'd like to give ourselves an opportunity today to, to bring some of those unanswered prayers to the Lord, privately or with somebody. So as we move towards communion on all of our campuses in just a moment, we're going to be coming forward to receive communion wherever you happen to be. And as we do, you're going to have an opportunity to go to one of the prayer stations around the room. They're marked by, by these bright light bulbs. There are going to be prayer partners there, and they would be happy to pray for you over some particular need that you have on your heart today. Maybe it's one of these unanswered prayers that you've prayed for a long time. Maybe it's just a burden that is on your heart today. So either before or after you come to the table and receive the communion elements, you can just stop there at one of those prayer stations and just tell them your name and your simple request in one sentence. And again, it could be something unanswered. It could just be something that's on your heart today. Just tell them in one sentence and they'll be able to pray for you right there and you can find your way back to your seat. So we're just going to take our time on each of our campuses. We're going to worship. We're going to come to the table. We're going to be prayed for. And if there's a long line of people who want to be prayed for, that's okay. We'll just wrap up the service and people can stay and be prayed for where they are. So I'm going to release you to your campuses in just a moment and the campus pastor will explain a little bit more about how it's going to work where you are. Why don't we bow our heads as we prepare for these moments. Lord, we believe... Help us overcome our unbelief. Meet us here today, Lord, in the space between faith and doubt, in the space provided by this table in which you invite us to come closer to you, closer to one another, closer to the work you have done and are doing in the world. May we meet you here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.